For The Daily Princetonian, I'm Mark Dovici. You're listening to Daybreak. The result of the 2020 presidential election is yet to be decided. We're here to break down what votes to watch in the next few days. Buckle up, as there is a lot to discuss. The first polls closed 24 hours ago. It's Wednesday, November 4th. First and foremost, this is not the first time we've been left without a definitive result after Election Day. In the elections of 1960, 68, 76, 2000, 2004, and even 2016, there was no clear winner before midnight. So although this election has been one for the history books, with record voter turnout and citizens battling the pandemic, having to wait on the results is not that out of the ordinary. Without clear results, though, a door is left open for candidates to step in and create a narrative. We mentioned this on Sunday, and both Biden and Trump addressed the nation last night. At an event in Delaware just after midnight, Joe Biden offered an optimistic message, thanking voters for their patience and saying, quote, We feel good about where we are. We feel that we are on track to win this election. Earlier today, he continued the optimistic outlook, saying that his campaign believes they will be the winners when all the votes are counted. He did stop short of claiming victory. That wasn't the case on the other side. President Trump predictably claimed victory via Twitter just after Biden's remarks last night. Shortly thereafter, Twitter flagged two of his tweets for containing misleading information about the election. A little after 2am, Trump delivered his remarks from inside the White House to a large group of unmasked supporters. The president immediately delved into rhetoric about election fraud, pointing to early returns showing him in the lead, claiming the results have been, quote, phenomenal, and that his campaign was already preparing for a celebration when, he said, quote, it was all called off. It's unclear to what, if anything, he was referring. Trump then stated that he believed he had already won in Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, Georgia, and North Carolina, key states required for his victory which had not yet been called at the time. He went on to suggest that votes should continue to be counted in Arizona, where he trailed, but not in other states where he led at the time of the speech. Trump then criticized Democrats for their promotion of mail-in voting, stating, quote, This is a fraud on the American public. This is an embarrassment to the country. We were getting ready to win this election. Frankly, we did win this election. He then said, quote, We'll be going to the U.S. Supreme Court. We want all voting to stop. We don't want them to find any ballots at 4 o'clock in the morning and add them to the list. It's a very sad moment. We will win this, and as far as I'm concerned, we have won this. The implications of the incumbent president declaring inaccurate victories and threatening to go to the Supreme Court should he lose re-election are unclear and frightening. So, what results do we know? I should mention that all statements made in this episode were accurate as of 7pm Wednesday night, 24 hours after the first polls closed on election day. Donald Trump picked up key swing states such as Ohio, Iowa, and Texas, despite initial polls showing these states as potentially leaning towards Biden. Biden picked up promising wins in Virginia and Minnesota, and picked up one electoral college vote from Nebraska. Arizona has been called for Biden by some sources, but not all are confident in his current margin of just under four points. With only a handful of states still in play as of 7pm, according to the New York Times, Biden sits 17 electoral college votes from the White House at 253, while Trump remains 66 votes from re-election with 214. Let's break down which votes have been counted and which haven't in key states across the country. Donald Trump picked up an important win in Florida last night with 51.2% of the votes compared to Biden's 47.8, a margin decided by just 400,000 votes. Biden got off to a slow start in this state with only a 7% lead in Miami-Dade County, a county which Hillary Clinton dominated in 2016 by nearly 30 points. Many attribute the decline in Democratic votes in the county to the mobilized Cuban-American voters who turned out in strong numbers for Trump. Despite an apparent lead for Biden after early tabulations, the race in North Carolina tightened significantly throughout the night. As of 7pm today, the AP still has the state too close to call with 95% of votes counted. 
In addition, the Supreme Court in North Carolina decided that they will continue to count mail-in ballots until November 12th, given that the ballots were postmarked by Election Day. There are currently 117,000 outstanding mail ballots, but it's unknown how many of these will be received by the deadline. Georgia faced logistical issues counting mail-in ballots from the Atlanta area. Results in that state remain incomplete, currently showing Donald Trump leading by just 1%. However, as the results from highly populated and typically liberal areas begin to come in, it'll be interesting to see whether or not the expected Democratic votes will be enough for Joe Biden to make up his current deficit. The most recent update at time of recording stated that there are about 200,000 outstanding ballots statewide. A win in Georgia would mean that Trump cannot win the presidency outright, as Biden would get to 269 votes. The worst he could do after that would be a tie, which we'll dive into more if it becomes a more real possibility. Pivoting now to the three states in the Midwest that were important flip targets for the Biden campaign, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. In 2016, Hillary Clinton won Minnesota by a small margin of 1.5%. She subsequently lost Wisconsin and Michigan by 0.7 and 0.3% respectively. However, early in the night, many networks called Minnesota for Biden, and he ended up winning there by around 8 points. This was expected to be a reason for optimism for his performance in other Midwestern states relative to Clinton, and this has held true so far. In Michigan, early numbers of same-day voters showed a strong lean towards Donald Trump. However, as mail-in ballots continued to be counted, results fluctuated. As of noon Eastern, Biden had taken a narrow lead over Trump in the state, with a large quantity of absentee ballots remaining to be counted. And as of 6pm, the AP had called Michigan for the former vice president. His lead currently sits around 2%, with 98% of votes tallied. Under the backdrop of legal battles surrounding mail-in ballots and counting regulations, the state of Pennsylvania is showing a similar trend to Michigan, with a strong start for Donald Trump among same-day voting counts. As mail-in ballots continue to be counted throughout the week, the state is expected to tighten, potentially being one of the closest and most consequential battles in the election. At this point, if Biden wins Pennsylvania, the presidency is his. Voting numbers in Wisconsin are looking a lot like 2016, with Trump gaining strong support from rural areas, with Biden's support concentrated in the cities. Biden took an incredibly narrow lead in the state at 5am, when Milwaukee's absentee ballots and mail-in votes were counted. This lead grew from around 8,000 votes to around 20,000 votes by the time all of the votes had been counted. Trump has filed for a recount in Wisconsin, although it's important to note that a recount is extremely unlikely to change the margin in a significant way. Two statewide recounts there in the past decade swung margins by less than 400 votes each, multiple orders of magnitude lower than what would be needed for a flip. In ballot counting news, a federal judge on Tuesday ordered the U.S. Postal Service to sweep processing plants, as 7% of mail-in ballots that had been mailed by Tuesday were not processed in time to be delivered. The 93% success rate falls short of the 97% that they were expected to achieve. Some 300,000 ballots that were scanned cannot be traced. This could be significant, as the margins in the presidential race are razor-thin in multiple states. We don't know for sure who controls the Senate. If you listened to our election preview from Sunday, you might recall some of the races we recommended you watch as Democrats tried to flip the chamber, specifically Maine, Montana, Iowa, North Carolina, and both Georgia races. Of those six seats, zero turned blue last night. In Maine, Montana, and Iowa, Republican incumbents were called winners before 7 p.m. today. In North Carolina, Tom Tillis narrowly leads Democrat challenger Cal Cunningham, with 94% of votes tallied. In Georgia's regular election, incumbent David Perdue leads Democrat John Ossoff by roughly 3%. However, Perdue's support has fallen over the course of the day, and he currently sits at 50.4%. If he falls below 50, it'll trigger a January runoff in that election. Georgia's special election saw just that. Democrat Raphael Warnock and Republican Kelly Loeffler advanced to a runoff after finishing first and second, 
with less than 30% of the vote each. Votes won by the wide field of Democratic candidates other than Warnock and by Republican Doug Collins were roughly equal, suggesting that should they consolidate behind Warnock and Loeffler on party lines, the January race will be close. There was some good news for Democrats in the Senate yesterday. To start out the night, John Hickenlooper beat out Republican candidate Cory Gardner in Colorado, a crucial seat for Democrats on their path to flipping the Senate. Arizona's Republican Senator Martha McSally was appointed by the governor last year in the wake of the death of John McCain. Last night, the state voted against the unelected incumbent, giving Democrat Mark Kelly a strong win and the Democrats their second flipped seat of the night. Beyond the six we talked about on Sunday, there were some more disappointing results for Democrats. Mitch McConnell, the current Republican Senate Majority Leader, prevailed in a highly publicized Senate race in Kentucky against former Marine pilot Amy McGrath. Democrats around the county had poured millions of dollars into the challenger's campaign. McGrath raised double that of McConnell from July to September, but to no avail. The Republican held in a rout, winning nearly 60% of the vote. In South Carolina, incumbent Lindsey Graham beat out Democratic challenger Jamie Harrison by 15 points in another highly publicized campaign which excited Democrats around the country. Harrison, often lauded as being the future of the Democratic Party, shared an optimistic message to supporters after the announcement of his loss, stating, quote, We proved that a new South is rising. Tonight only slowed us down. In Alabama, incumbent Democratic Senator Doug Jones, who won his seat in the special election after Jeff Sessions was appointed U.S. Attorney General, lost to Republican challenger Tommy Tuberville. Tuberville's win marks a huge, however not entirely unexpected, boost to the Republicans. Michigan represents an interesting Senate race. Republican John James was up early over incumbent Democrat Gary Peters. A flip here would have cut off the Democrats from having any real chance at getting to 50 senators. Over the course of the day, however, as Biden overtook Trump in the state, so too did Peters overtake James. He now leads by about 1%, with 98% of votes counted, and the race has not yet been called. It certainly isn't the comfortable incumbent victory many Democrats would have hoped for. So, here we are, 24 hours after the first polls closed, and the state of play is still very much up in the air. The Senate is currently 48-47, to 47, but Democrats have so far failed to flip some competitive red seats, suggesting that Republicans will probably keep their majority there. In the House, Republicans have gained five seats by 7pm, and Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi sent a message to her fellow Democrats remarking on the, quote, challenging election. Democrats will likely retain their overall advantage in the chamber, but Republican response to the blue wave in the 2018 House election is notable. As I sign off from this election special, I'd remind you all that this election is not over. Every ballot must be counted in every state, and while projections are usually reliable, in the end, they're just projections. As you see results over the next few days, keep in mind that things won't be final for weeks or even months to come. It's frustrating, yes, but it's the right way to go about it. That's all for this special episode of Daybreak. This episode is written by Wilson Kahn, Francesca Block, Hope Perry, and myself. Our theme is composed by Ed Horn, Class of 22. For the Daily Princetonian, I'm Mark Didici. Have a good night.